I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I get to introduce you to another amazing soul that I found on a podcast. And her name is Ann Tucker. And I found her. And I mean, I think I'm sounding so redundant, but it's so true. I When I find someone like Ann, I'm like all in. And I know the ones that know me, when I find someone, I'm like texting them the the videos, this podcast, and oh my gosh, here I go down the rabbit hole. But Anne is one of those. And, you know, I think, you know, the longer this podcast, further along I go on this podcast, and I, oh, I'm learning so much. Anne is one of those teachers that are like, wow. So the story, the backstory about Anne was, I emailed her after I heard her, heard her story and everything about her. I go on her website I email her. She emails me right back. And we have similar, like she lives in Washington. She lived in San Diego. We have so many similar cross paths. We're pretty much the same age. But um, I've disconnected with her so much. So we couldn't find a date. And then I kind of didn't hear from her. So then I was like, Anne, it's Ashley again from Uncover Your Magic. If you can just tell me the time and the day I will be there. I will change my schedule, whatever it is. And I've never done that before. And she responded, we planned a day, a morning. And oh, it was so exciting. And I'm sitting there waiting for her and like thinking, because she channels the angels and I'm, you know, I do my automatic writing before I get on a podcast and I, I don't know, just connecting and I'm learning more lately for sure, especially after Anne the connection and understanding how much I am connected and and talking more and asking more questions and asking for more guidance. And, you know, and on that note, before I, because I'm going to talk about Anne a little bit more, but right now talking about that, I just finished, I just came back with Paige from LA. We went to LMU and it's a D1 school. It was like at the top of her list and we just spent three days there, you know, for rowing and oh, it gives me tears in my eyes. But going through this journey for the first time, you know, I know a lot of you that listen have had children that have gone to college and have gone through these things, but I'm experiencing this for the first time, seeing, you know, watching, you know, it's like watching your birds getting ready to fly. I don't know how to, that's probably the only way I could explain it. But, you know, she spends a night in the dorm. She goes to their practice. I get to come meet her at the school. But I'm going back to when I said with Anne, like I had just finished this interview and I was like thinking of the angels and talking to them and, you know, asking for more guidance with her and knowing that 
you know, that the right thing is going to happen. And, and I do that, but I think Anne took my, my awareness of how the angels are just sitting there waiting and listening, waiting for you to ask. (laughs) So Paige and I had that conversation on the way up and I just said, you know, ask your angels, ask all your guides, you know, talk to God and just know that if it feels right, then you will know and they will answer that. So it all worked and it is the place and we're so excited and we gave a verbal commitment last night and she's so excited and I'm so proud of her and I could cry again. (laughs) So that's where I'm at right now. Like really taking what Ann Tucker has really given me in my rabbit hole and my interview and all that. It's understanding, you know, we have to ask, we have to, you know, in our, in my automatic writing, it comes through so clear. And when you are so connected to that, it's like the, I just trust. And I know that it's taken care of, especially when you have children and you're like getting ready to cut the apron strings or whatever. (laughs) But yeah, I just, Oh, Anne will give you guys so much. We talked forever and we talked for like an hour after and we're going to go meet for lunch because she's coming to San Diego and you will get why I adore her. But let me give you a little bit more about her. There's not much of a bio on her on her website, which is com. It is Anne is supporting awakening souls on their journey through community, spiritual connection, healing, and healing so they can take advantage of this time of rapid growth and ascension. Uh, Anne is a trans channel. She enters a meditative state where she connects to the angelic realm and allows angels to speak directly through her. She is a channel for angelic guidance and healing frequencies that will prepare us and help to usher us through a planetary shift in consciousness. She has different programs on her website, peace bathing. Go on her website. It's so beautiful of all the things she offers. She offers an angelic frequency series and then this new program called Soul Convergence. We'll talk about that in the interview. But um, I was really drawn to that because it's about dreams. It's about your masculine and feminine energy. You'll get more of that when we talk. But there was something about that that I felt like connected to my soul for sure. And then at the end of this website, she does this, um, she wrote a book called Undoubtedly Awesome. And in that book, she talks about the seven soul types. And you can go on her website and do your quiz for free. And I'm an optimizing soul. So she explains that in the in the um, interview. But it's, you know, when you read, I never heard this before. And I we go into it a little bit, but go to her website, buy her book, because I think it's interesting of what we are drawn to and what our soul goes to because it's comfortable with or that's what they're good at. But when you realize the one, the six soul types that you're not as good at, <laughs> in parentheses, in quotation marks, then you realize why certain things you're not drawn to or you're not going to go do automatically. Anyway, it's super entertaining. It's super entertaining to see what you are, but also it's just interesting to understand why she figured out these seven soul types. And anyway, you can do it for free on her website. 
And on another note, the Monday calls, we're having our first one, which will be before this goes out. So I can't wait. Then our next, then a second one is going to be on December 4th. It's a Monday, every Monday, the first Monday of every month. Connect with me. I've had so many amazing people reach out. That makes me so happy who want to get on that call. I'm going to have speakers come on that call. I'm going to have people that have been on the podcast come on that call. I'm, I am, you know, me, I'm kind of one of those people that just, you know, set the intention and see what happens. And I love doing that. So I'm not a big planner as far as like having it ready to go. I just know it's all going to come together perfectly and whatever happens is going to be amazing. I also want to remind you the day retreat that I did the same thing with, put it out there, set the date, um, has a place. It's January 21st. We're going to say nine to like four right now. It's at a place in Mission Bay. Um, it's a actually, it's funny, it's a rowing uh, women's club called Slack that is going to let us use their beautiful space. It's a house right on the bay and a boathouse where it's a women's rowing club. What, one of my sweet listeners that I met through this podcast is a member of. So she reached out to me and said, I have the place. It came through me in the shower and I've got to tell you, I know this is the place. So we met and met and now it is the place and just reach out to me if you do want to be on the list. It's definitely going to be a, you know, a wait list and I don't know the numbers yet, but the sooner the better if you reach out to me because I, we will have more, but right now I feel like it is my testing <laughs> retreat and I have breath work, sound bath, Lawn Art is coming to speak. I have two other speakers getting ready to commit. So it'll just be fun. We're going to have food, look at the view, and experience time together and create a community. So if that is of interest to you and you live close by or you want to drive down from LA or Orange County or whatever it is, connect with me, ashleygonner at gmail.com. And then also just do the same with the Monday calls. So get ready to be loving Ann Tucker like I do <laughs> and doing her classes and going reading her book and all the amazing things that Ann is doing in this world that you're going to get why I love her so much. So without further ado, please bring on this beautiful soul, Ann Tucker. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's really fun to be here with you. Oh, it's so fun to be here. I can't explain to you. When I listened to you a couple months ago, I listened to you on a podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, just like someone's calling you or you like I resonated with your message and or I, I grew up in Washington. So when I'm listening to you um, in Washington State and Bellevue and all these, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, there's something that you were, you were calling me. <laughs> so I answered and I kept going. But, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the people in your life that come into your life and they, it's like, I'm ready for your message. I'm ready for your teachings. I'm, I was looking at your website and like the soul, all the things we'll talk about later, but you, like my soul, uh, I'm, it's like I'm ready, you know, and it's just so cool that I had the opportunity, like I said earlier, and before we hit record to meet you like this 
and to show you my gratitude. Because I sometimes I feel like you listen or you read a book and, you know, I'm like, oh, and, you know, you never get to go and call the person and say, you really changed my life. <laughs> and I feel that way with you. And, you know, like we're the same age and we're kind of on this journey right now. And, you know, I feel like we're the, you talk about pre and post um, teams, you know, and it's like, I feel like we're on the same team. So let's get to you, Anne. And I want you to explain and why I want you, wanted you on my show so much is to share you with everybody that listens, because I think your message is like, what I love is I think people resonate is like, you were just this corporate lady at Microsoft, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, and all of a sudden, look what you're doing. So it kind of shows you like the shift in somebody's life that is going to, it could happen. You know, everybody could relate to that, right? Maybe. <laughs> Some people might be horrified at that idea that they're going to turn into <laughs> angel lady tomorrow. What will their friends say? But yeah, you're right. It could be you. It could, you just don't know. Yeah, no, I, you're totally right that I, the start of my life was, I would say, very, very conventional, very conventional. And I would say I was very asleep. My heart was closed. Not that I didn't feel that I was spiritual because I did. I felt like I always felt, but I didn't have a framework or a way of understanding it. I grew up without any religious background of any kind. I had four different parents because my parents split and both remarried. Four parents, each one had a different religion. So there was no context of religion in my family at all. If anything, it was intellectualism. Intellectualism was what was really valued. Being Hmm. smart was what was valued in my family. And so, so yeah, so there was no encouragement of any kind to be tapped into spirit. So in the beginning, really the only access I had was through the concept of being psychic or psychic phenomenon, the kind of stuff that they would do like a episode on 60 minutes about like people who were, you know, being trained as psychics. That would be like my only experience of it. My dad was a little bit into palmistry, but wouldn't talk about it. Hmm. Uh, He was into astrology, same thing, very limited. But I got these little glimmers of like, there's this thing called astrology. There's this thing called palmistry. And yeah, so I was, I would always knew from that, that I I felt in my heart that I was psychic. I remember conversations I had with my guides when I was little, but Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that it was my, I didn't, it didn't seem strange to me that somebody was talking to me who I couldn't see. You're you're a kid. You're like, I'm just having a conversation. You know, you don't, it doesn't dawn on you that that's not usual. (laughs) (laughs) But what's like, when you said you were five, like I remember hearing something like when you were five, you would have these, these experiences. Yeah. 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 So it would be like, I remember being, I remember very specifically being in my childhood room, being in my bed, sitting there in the bed and having a conversation. And what I now know is my guides or my angels telling me, you're going to grow up and you're going to, they didn't say when you're going to grow up. They said, you are going to teach people the better ways to live. And I remember being laughing out loud. Here I am five laughing out loud. And I remember saying, I'm a kid. I don't know how to do that. Like, how am I going to know how to do that? And them laughing with me, you know, and I remember that and me thinking that was just so funny. Like, how am I going to do that? And, uh, but I remember specifically the conversation and knowing now I look back at it and be like, oh, that was, that was my angels talking to me. Oh, yeah. I love that. So you go on to your, you are raised by these parents. You go to college. You get yeah. a job at Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I really wanted to be James Bond. 
Like that's, I wanted to have like, <laughs> I was like, I wanted to have like the international jet set, you know, fly everywhere and experience all these different places. And like, that's what I was hoping to do. You know, I wanted to, I did go study overseas for a year. I got to go experience that. That was a big period of expansion for like learning another language. And, and I wanted to go, like I said, travel for business and, and see what that I wanted. I just, I had this in my, in my head. And if you think about it, it was all stuff that was like spoon fed to me of like, this is what makes a good life. This mm-hmm. is what you should want, you right. know, and everything was done on the schedule of this is what you should want. And none of it was meaningful to me at the end, you know, right. none of it was actually stuff that came from inside of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you tell me your the magic where the, you uncovered your first magic besides when you were young. But yeah. where now that you've been, you know, raised in this where you're supposed to be, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you have this moment. The first, where my way, I would say when it was really starting to happen, I say I got my first glimmers of the giant boot that was about to kick me in the rear. The first glimmer I had of that boot <laughs> was uh, <laughs> a couple years before it happened, I had a dream. At the time I was, I was in a marriage that I thought at the time, cause I came as a product of divorce. I'm like, I'm never getting divorced. It's never going to happen. You know, we'll figure it out. We will not get divorced. And, and I had two kids and was very engrossed in that life. And I had this dream in the dream and the dream struck me. It was so vivid. There was something about this dream that was so weird that I woke up and I told like five people this dream. So I know that I didn't imagine it because I told it to like five people in the dream. I see myself, I'm at a park I've never been to before. I look to my left and there's a man there whose face is fuzzed out. So I can't see who it is, but Mm -hmm. I recognize he's my partner in the dream, but it's not my husband. And ahead of me are two children and they're running up to the play structure. And I know they're my kids because I have that mother instinct of like, oh, I better chase after them and make sure they don't fall on the play structure. But they're not my kids. They're not the kids that I know. And then to my right, I see this woman sitting at a park bench and she has a bicycle leaned against the table and she's eating a sandwich and she has dark curly hair, very vivid, the whole picture. And that's it. That's the whole dream. And I wake up and it just really struck me as, wow, this dream is, you know, I don't know why. So then come to find out a couple of years later, I'm very unexpectedly, very divorced. All of a sudden, all of this happens. And then I'm down the road. I'm dating someone new. He comes up. He's got his two boys with him. We, he comes back from around. I found this new park. Let's take the kids. We're walking up the hill. He's there. Two kids in front of me. And there's the woman with the sandwich and the bike with the hair. The, exactly. It was an exact picture of what I had seen. Wow. And so it was just, I just stopped dead in my tracks and said, okay, this was a preview that I'm on a path. This was all predestined. This is a, this is my mind expanding, right? Then, and, and my whole journey has been my guides and my angels knowing that, especially in the beginning, that for me to trust that I was getting to have the confidence in this was real, they would give me a glimmer in reality. They would show me something in meditation and then it would happen in reality. I would see something in my dreams that would happen in reality. It would be this little dance they played of like, just keep following the breadcrumbs, keep coming this way. And uh, I think they know what's best for us. They know what we need to get there and they give us that. So that was, so that was the beginning. And then after that, it stuff started happening like crazy town. It started being stuff where I had all these crazy psychic phenomenon and they just, the pace just kept getting faster and faster and faster until I couldn't deny it. So one of the things that is very unique is where you can go into, you were in the, your friend's body in the airplane. Yes. You were sitting there and you could see who was sitting to her right. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Explain the, all these, I mean, these phenomena, the things about you that you, you can do and 
it's like, how? Like, I mean, I've never, it's very rare. I mean, the first time it happened. So so I think you're referencing the first time I started to experience what my healing modality would be in my first healing modality, because they led me again down a trail of do this and then do this and then do this. It's been a progression. They never let me stay with any one thing. It's always a process of expansion. But in the beginning, the process and the way that it first hit me is I had been at, I went to this to A-Fest, which is like a, a super fun event that was put on by Mind Valley. I went to that. And while I was there, I met some friends and on the way back, I was, or I had gotten home and I, I I thought about one of them. I was like, oh, I should call her or text her. I wonder where she is. And boom, I'm in her body. I mean, of course, right. It's, it was just a flash, enough of a flash so that I can see out of her eyes. I can see she's on an airplane. I can see the TV. There's a, you know, a drop down TV. I can see the actor that she's watching. And then I see her look this way and I see the, a woman's shoes over here that she's looking at. And that's it. And I, of course, I'm like, was that real? What was that? So I text her, where are you right now? And two hours later, she replies back. And sure enough, she was on that plane. She was watching that show. She saw the shoes, all of it. And so then I started exploring that, trying to understand like, what was that? And I came and I would make appointments with friends. I would go, so, okay, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, I'm going to try and see out of your eyes. I'm going to see what happens. It was shockingly accurate. The same friend, I made a date with her a couple, I don't know, a couple months later, and because I was practicing this, trying to understand what it was. And I, I tuned in and uh, she did, the game was, don't tell me anything about where you are. I don't want to know anything. I tuned in and I, I felt she was on a, I felt that I couldn't, I could feel in her body, this incredible heat, like blazing, burning on my forehead, on my chest. I felt dizzy, like incredible. Like my center of balance was really, really off. My lungs felt scorchy. Like it was like almost like searing, like hot searing air. And it was so unpleasant. I pulled out immediately. I was like, done. Okay. What was that? I don't know what that was about. Turns out she was somewhere like near Greece on a, on a sailboat and the air was totally still and they were dead in the water and the boat was gently rocking. And she had, she was covered except her chest and her head was exposed to the sun. So she said that gentle rocking is what I felt as the, as this and the heat was that and the still hot air. It was just all exaggerated for me. I felt it all 10 times more. So it felt like, ah, but, um, but I came to understand that that was the way I would begin healing was I would move into and up from the back I would move into another person's body, physical body. And then the angels would move in from through me. My healing guides would move in through me. And then from inside there, I would have clairsentience, clairaudience, uh, claircognizance where I could feel in the body what was, I could feel the densities. I could feel the energy that was blocked. I could say, okay, I feel, you know, and I would know. I'd say, okay, you have, you know, I, I see and feel a metal bar going up the, you know, the back top of your spine. And oh, yep, sure enough, I had scoliosis and I had this put in. I, you know, and I could feel it. And then I would say, okay, there's a density over here. Let's move it. And we I would work with the angels and then whoosh, I would feel it in my body lifting out. So I would know when they were healed, which was amazing. It was like instant feedback. So that was super cool. And I worked that way for a couple of years. And then they were like, okay, done. Time for the next thing. But that was initially how I started working as a healer. So you would tell me a story. Was there a really cool story that you healed someone by that? Oh my gosh. I mean, there was the kind of stuff that would show up for people. Like working that way, you can get the instantaneous sort of physical shifting where it's somebody who's in pain and then they're not in pain, you know, and that's a marvelous thing when you can reach it and see the pain and just kind of pull 
So I'd have a friend, I've got a headache. Okay. I would reach in and I would pull the pain out and be like, okay, John, my headache's gone. My, my migraine just left. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff is really cool. But, and so moving pain is, is pretty easy, but it's temporary to move pain is because the pain is a, a side effect to whatever else is going on in the body. So I could say, okay, I move pain, but it's only going to be gone for depending on what else is going. It might be gone for three days. It might be gone. The deeper stuff, it's like you have to get to the physical, like once something has manifested physically, it's like work through all of our layers to get down to the physical body. So you kind of have to go to the core wounding, the core root of things, and then the physical stuff can dissipate. So certainly people have had things show up where they came in with, you know, regular they're, you know, they would be in monitoring in terms of what are their numbers on their thyroid, on their liver, all this kind of stuff. And then all those dramatically changed and they go from being unhealthy to healthy. And it's cool because the doctor is monitoring them and say, Oh my gosh, I don't understand why. Like, how are you getting better? And they can't say it's the angel lady. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, funny. So that kind of stuff would happen, which is really, really amazing. But the, but the stuff to me is that there's always a root to stuff. Right. There's certainly there's some things that came in. You could say you have something hereditarily, but even that you can look back and look into their ancestral line and say, where did it come from? It started somewhere. Right. right. It started right. somewhere in there. You talk a lot about pre-birth planning. Yeah. And I love will you explain that because that was really you say I just love how you explain it. Yeah, it was. And so if anybody ever has a dream where they are in a meeting with a bunch of people. So there are any kind of sitting at a conference table, having a conference, having a meeting, that is a dream about your pre-birth planning. And so lots of people will have these kind of dreams. They just don't necessarily understand what's happening in the dream. And so I've had loads of dreams showing me my pre, like before I came to earth. And some of those were like one of the dreams I thought was super fascinating was I'm in the dream with one of my guides and we're looking at this life before it happened. And we're looking at it like a film strip and we're, you know, scene by scene, it's like you're rolling it between two reels. You know what I mean? And you're looking down, both of us are mm-hmm. looking down at the scenes as they're going by. And it's clear that we're working very hard on one specific period of my life. And we keep running the strip backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And we're talking and we're saying, okay, what if we did it this way? We come up with an idea. Then I would, I would jump into the film strip and I would act it out and live it. And then I would jump out again and we would talk and we'd be like, okay, how was that? So what do you think? Can we make it better? How can we adjust it? Which to me is, it's fascinating because it shows so many different things about the truth of how we are as souls and spirit, what our journey is all about. So yes, there are critical moments in our life that we rehearse to the nth degree that if it's important for our growth, for our path, then it's something that you can't, you can't mess it up because you, you'll get into that moment and it is so rehearsed. Like you've done it so many times that it's, you're going to meet that person. You're going to meet that partner. You're going to have that critical crash that's going to put you on a new path in life, right? These things are going to happen. But then the other thing about it is that it is about experience, like, like the way that we create with spirit is experimenting that it's, it's trial and error. And so that's the truth about healing too, is that you test, does this work? How does this work? Because each of us are so unique and that we are like a moving target. You know, we as souls, the whole thing about free will, like the thing they can't always plan on is how are we going to react? So it has to be a process of trial and error and experimentation and always learning. So just like in that scene where we're trying it this way, we're trying it that way. Like what's the best way? What's the, and it's, there's never a the best, but what's a good way? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how can we structure? So this is a good way. And yeah, so that was, it was fascinating to see that uh, like on multiple levels. 
Yeah, but when you talk about dreams so much, I mean, that's part of soul convergence is you get yeah. your dream analyzed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm a dream person and I wake up and I'm sharing the dreams with the family like, oh, here we go. Mom's got another <laughs> dream. <laughs> but you've opened my eyes to a lot of ways, like, like explain why dreams tell so much and why you put that in your program. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking about that. I It has been a big part of my life. I think the thing I like about working with my dreams is I'm very much, I think it comes from growing up without a religious background is that I, and with that sort of focus on, it's more of an, my background, my family valued intellectualism. It was that idea of critical thinking, of coming to your own answers, of always questioning. And so I think with everything, there has never been a time, like if somebody I would always want to have my own understanding about things, come to my own conclusions and trust my own inner voice. And I think with dreams, it gives you, it gives everybody, every single person has access to that voice. It speaks to all of us. And some people will say, okay, I never, ever remember my dreams, but I'll tell you the people who joined Soul Convergence, we started this past Saturday, everybody's having dreams. It's like once they, once they commit, then the dreams come in. Mm -hmm. So, which is really, really cool. I've gotten so many emails. I never dream and I'm having dreams. Oh my gosh. So it's like, yeah, they just, they don't, they, everybody has dreams. They just don't always remember. And but when anyways, you say they all of a sudden are having them, is it because they, they have that intention? Like when they're like focused on that or why, it's, why it's do you think? It's a combination of things. Some of, sometimes it's just that, yeah, it's like you're going to do it. And so every, you know, all of your guidance aligns to help, to help make it happen for you. So you're getting a ton of support. You know, it might be even a thing where your angels nudge you you know, right as you're finished dreaming to wake you up enough to be able to remember. So it's like, how does it happen for each person? Some people even suggested that they set an alarm for 90 minutes before they have to wake up to interrupt the sleep cycle. So then they will, because your 90 minutes still gives you a full sleep cycle, but it, you're not quite as deep and it, and you, you're going to remember those dreams you have closest to waking up. So, and that has worked for a lot of people. We give people some different tips and tricks and stuff like that in the program to help them remember. But, but yeah, even without that, there's people who, even before the program started, the minute they signed up, they started remembering their dreams, which is super cool. So that to me is just a sign of spirit supporting them in the process. And I think it is a thing like they're about to, they're, you know, they've had a dream and then the angels give them a little shove and say, well, wake up. (laughs) And then they wake up enough to remember their dream. So, okay, so continue, elaborate on why the dreams, because yeah, I, yeah because I can say, you know, I've, I used to have listened to Dolores Cannon talk like, you know, your soul doesn't sleep. You, you know, you're on, so are, is my soul experiencing that dream? Like, and then you talk about if you ever have a dream that's at a table, like you just said, like that's, yeah. you're planning. They are like a language, just like if you were to go learn, you know, French or you know, if you were going to go learn Chinese or whatever language you're going to learn, your Mandarin, I should say, whatever language it is, it, the dreams are like a language. It's just that they, they structure the language in a way that is, it's not necessarily verbal, it's symbolic and it's contextual. So, and then it relates, it's somewhat customized to each of us. So, but the basic symbology is, is universal, which is amazing. And it's the challenge is that it's very difficult for us to understand. And why is that? Like, why would they give us this incredible, like constant commentary on our life, which is what our dreams are. Dreams are like our guides constantly speaking to what, where are you right now, right today? And, uh, and giving us guidance, giving us, you know, helping us to try to see ourselves. They're speaking to our subconscious. So it does. Our dreams do filter in to our experience and our reality. 
but how do we understand them consciously? But you can, you can definitely understand them. And that's why like in the, in the course, I have people who are trained to do it, who have, who have certified in dream analysis using, and they understand this language. But the reason I fell in love with it from the get-go, as soon as I found out about it, is the specific mentor that I found is Michael Sheridan. He teaches, his school is called the Ashling School of Dream Interpretation. And he, I found him, I heard him on the radio like so many of us do. I right. stalked him, made him come speak at my Wisdom Soup meetup. We became fast friends. And we, I'm very, I'm very close friends with him and his wife, Sandy. And love, love, love his work. And it's I, the reason why is because in a dream, I could see for myself, there was no need for me to fill in the blanks. There was no need for me to say, oh, well, maybe it means this and maybe it means this because in one dream, I would have three different symbols that I could look up in his dictionary and they would all mean the same thing. And I could see, oh my God, it was self-confirming. It was a thing where the dream explained itself and they would all be point. And I could see, I could start to use my dreams to track my progress. So I would be working on my own healing. And my dreams would say, okay, look, you've got this particular issue. Every single dream would be saying you have this issue. And then I would heal it and boom, the dreams would shift. Great, move on, next issue. So like I had early on, I had a lot of issues around my birth. Lots of us do. Lots of us have a lot of birth issues. Super common, but I did. So every dream you have about trying to check into a hotel is a dream about your birth. Oh. So if you're ever in a hotel lobby, if you're dreaming mm-hmm. about trying to check into a hotel, all birth. And so I had dream after dream after dream where I, but night after night, it was driving me bonkers where I kept trying to talk. I would be trying to check into a hotel every night. It would be slightly different where, where I couldn't check in or I was put into this crummy room where there was something, you know, there would always be some issue. It was so like every night I just wake up so frustrated. And then I, but come, you know, anyways, but as soon as I healed that immediately stopped dreaming about it, moved on to the next issue. So it became this way of constantly being able to track my progress and to know where I was headed. So, and then learning to heal myself through that process. So, yeah, so that is part of why I I included it is the healing that's in my soul convergence program will work just fine without the dream work. It will, the healing people will be healing no matter what. And they will see that reflection out in their life, but how much cooler to be able to track it as you go, to see it happen, you know, Uh to see these subconscious layers shifting and to know what you're healing, to have that, that feedback and and to know it's coming. Here's the critical part. It's your own voice. It's a connection to your higher self. So no one's telling you. It's right. you telling you. So you it's it develops. I think it helps to build our confidence in what we're doing and what we're happening. It builds your commitment, and it's all about that. Like everything is energy. So it's your commitment is what counts. So if you are going through a healing process and you're like, man, might be working, might be not working. I don't know. You're partially committed when you have this vision into what's happening to you at a subconscious level. You know, it's like you get super excited because you see progress and that really helps to increase the commitment, which makes it that much more powerful. Oh, I love that. So, and you also heal the masculine and the feminine. But you yeah. start with the masculine first. Yeah, yeah. You got to start with the masculine first. So that's critical because the masculine supports the feminine. So the feminine has to come after the masculine, and that's that. So that there's definitely with everything the, the angels do, there's always a method and the method to their madness. But yeah, we start. So we're in the we just started Saturday. We started with the masculine, and already people are having like I've been getting emails from people. I had one amazing one. Just this morning. And so to give you an idea of how it shows up in your dreams, just because I think it's, it's cool and helpful to understand this, uh, how it can work. So here it is. 
So she says, and I won't say her name because I haven't asked her permission, but I know she'd be happy to have me just share the context of the dream is that she says that I was bringing back to life little male mannequins from different eras. And the prior night, I was going deep into Mother Earth to heal a man that was down there by putting my right hand over his heart. So these are dreams that she's had just since the healing began. So they're literally, it can be a situation where if your masculine energy has been very impacted, it's your dreams show that it's literally coming back to life. So super, super cool to see. But you really see, I mean, the angels have told you how to do this, but I mean, they're telling you to heal the masculine and then the feminine. Yeah, so we'll do four weeks working on masculine energy. And the goal, the ultimate goal, and, 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 you know, you know that we're talking about, it's like yin and yang. It's not being male or being female. It's, it's divine right. masculine energy and divine feminine energy. And we are just in a period of imbalance. Like, I think there's a lot of anger in the world toward what we consider to be toxic masculine. But within that, there's so much for us to be grateful for in terms of the divinity, the divine masculine, what is what it's brought to humanity. We just are now in a phase, and that includes basically all of the structures of our civilization, like all of the things we count on in terms of our quality of life have come from that. It's just that it's now been overexpressed. It's like we're right. at the peak of the moment getting ready to turn and go back into balance. So we are we want to keep the good stuff and we want to bring the stuff where it's been overexpressed, bring that back into balance and let the feminine reemerge and get to a space where we are, where we're in balance between our masculine and feminine energies. And you see that working out like women have been horribly repressed in the world in right. so many ways. It's, you know, we are fortunate to be living in a country where, where it's not quite so profoundly noticed. I mean, it's certainly noticeable here, but in other countries, it's much, much worse. Right. Exactly. And, and we're moving to a place where the internal balance that we can hopefully achieve, which we will achieve. The angels say we're already there. We just don't see it yet. We have, you know, basically they've seen the future. We're there. We're going to achieve it. That that will then be reflected in our outer reality. Yeah. Yes. But I, so going into your YouTube channel and watching you all the time, listening to the angels, I don't want to say predictions or they talk about what's going on and what has, what's ha- what's going to happen. I mean, they're, and they're so, when you are talking about the trucking industry or the, you talk about water, they talk about all, you know, then all of a sudden you're saying it, but then at the time it doesn't really, you're wondering where is that going to come in? And then it, it's all, it all comes. Yeah. All, yeah. They all, it's all true. But we explain, explain kind of how you, you do, you are a trans channel. but how that works and how you get those messages. Yeah, yeah. So to be a trans channel, and there's all different ways of channeling. So I believe everybody, in in case people are curious for themselves, that everyone has the ability to connect to their higher self, to get messages like through your dreams is from your higher self. But you you can actively, everyone can channel their higher self. But what I'm doing, trans channeling is different. To channel your higher self is like that conversation I had as a little girl where I'm hearing my guide speak to me, right? It's like, it's almost like another voice in your head. It's just that your intuition, we might think of that. Some people will feel it bodily, will feel it as a, as an emotion, you know, or feeling. So everyone has a source of guidance like that. And then you have people who are mediums who connect to, you know, to people who have crossed over, who are, who used to be in human form, which is not my gift. My gift is to go into a deep meditative trance and to let the angels literally come into my body and speak through me. And that is a very different type of channeling, but I guess there's lots of different types. Yeah. So when I started, first time I started doing that, 
the angels came through and they came through with all these incredibly heavy messages. And it was a process. You, I think you probably heard the process I went through to get to that, to get to the place where I was doing. It took me a long time of just trying to figure out what the heck was going on. I finally did. And the messages that first came through were like, yeah, there's going to be this giant earth rift. And yeah, there's going to be this, you know, there's, I mean, all this stuff that was really heavy. And then they say, and we want you to share this. This will save lives. You need to share this. And I was terrified to share it. I sat on it for like four months. I didn't want to tell anybody because it was like the last thing I wanted to be was that gloom and doom person who's standing on the street corner, you know, the end is near. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be that person. So, and yeah, and all of the things, because there's also the huge layer of like, not only did I not want to be the one that was bumming everybody out, you know, sharing negativity, creating fear in the world. I didn't want to do that. But then also there's the huge layer of like, oh my gosh, what if I'm wrong? Right. What if right. I'm out there be saying things and none of it happens? And then everybody thinks I'm making it up when I'm just sharing what I got. You know what I mean? Right. And it was all of these things that I had to work through. Was I had to release. Okay. If I'm, I just, all I have to do is say it as I see it, release my attachment to being right and just let myself let it be, let it stand on its own. And I find that when I do that, then it's true. Right. If I just let go, if I don't try to interpret it, if I don't try to fit it into the, if I just let it out there exactly as I see it, that I'm clear. I have to be, the only way to be clear is to be unattached, to be totally unattached. Right. So, so, so explain, yes. explain what you, what they've been telling you and what you've, what's come true. Cause I yeah, think that's so they, really. They first neat. came in with, and it's, I see it as like a trail of breadcrumbs that the, my understanding and it's looking back at it in retrospect, there was a lot of stuff I tried to understand at the time. And I was always wrong when I, like they talked about, you mentioned the truck drivers, they, 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 and they said very specifically, the truck drivers will abandon their routes. And I thought at the time, well, oh gosh, there's going to be, you know, maybe there's riots because of COVID and maybe the truck drivers are afraid to, you know, to drive because there's violence in the world and blah, blah, blah. You know, I was totally wrong. Like I had no idea that it was going to be, you know, these convoys, these protest convoys. And I had no idea it was going to be Brexit, you know, that kept a hundred thousand truck drivers out of the UK or that, you know what I mean? I had no concept of what, how it would manifest, but the truth of what they said was absolutely accurate. So, but so that what I came to understand is that it's been a, a, a series of things that have happened. Like they told us about the bank closures. They meant that was one of the, you know, early on, like that was two years ago, they told me about the bank failures that were going to happen. And they described it exactly. They said it would happen to people who were large depositors, basically people who had lots of money that they would lose the money, but that, and the banks would shut, but then they would, those people would get their money back. And they described it exactly as it happened. But I think the reason why, which is what happened, basically, it was, you know, Silicon Valley Bank. It was, it was the people who were uninsured had the risk of people who had more than 250,000 in deposits, which is extremely common with startup companies because they, that's how they meet their payroll. That's how they pay their employees is they have these, the, all their investors put money in. They have like 10 million bucks sitting in the bank ready to pay and keep their payroll, you know, and they, all that money disappeared. And then they, the government worked out so that they would then get the money back. But it's exactly how they described it. But the interesting thing is I believe what the angels are showing us is, okay, here, this piece, now this piece, now this piece. It all starts with COVID, which is the beginning of the stretching of the rubber band. It's putting strain and stress on our systems. Each one of these events creates greater and greater strain in our system. And the, the total effect of all of this is the unraveling of our systems and bringing us back into a space where the things that hold us into a particular consciousness let go. And that's what we're trying to get to. We're kind of trying to get to a space where, and we're not even aware of the ways in which we are held in place, 
right? There are so many things that we just accept as being part of the condition of how we live. Mm -hmm. You know, everything from, well, I have to put money into a 401k. I have to, my kids have to go to a particular kind of college. I have to do like, it's basically the way I was talking about how I live my life at the beginning of my my life. You know, we follow a, a script because we're told this is, this is what life is. And there are so many structures in the world that hold that in place and that hold these power dynamics in place that you can only have this if you follow our rules. And if you do all these steps and you pay your dues and you pay your homage and then you can have, you know, there's so many structures like that that keep us. And I hate to use the word enslaved because I think it's not a fair word. There's so many people who it's a tricky word. I I just want to pay acknowledgement to the fact that that's a very tricky word. But if you just look at it and from a dictionary standpoint, the idea that you are working against your free will, I think that that is the case, that there's a lot of structures in our world that hold us into patterns that we think we have to do in order to just survive, to have a good life. Right. You know, people working jobs they hate, all that kind of stuff. So this process of these big events, big one, Earth Rift, which they say, I thought when when... There was a huge, that recent Tonga, when Tonga happened, I thought that, that might be it, but they, it was not it. It was the, that was, they said it would be heard around the world. When this earth rift happens, I believe it's going to be somewhere in the Indian Ocean. It will be, when that happens, as they described it, it will be heard around the world. And it's almost like you'll feel it in your root chakra, but then we will also have almost like a sonic boom that we will hear which is crazy. So Tonga was heard halfway around the world. So if you look at how big Tonga was, this would be twice as big as Tonga. Hmm. And then I believe that has a lingering, they say that that the full effect of that, we won't understand it until later. And I think it, I believe that it would probably create some sort of shift in our climate that then creates difficulty for us. So, and then I think it relate results in massive amounts of rain. I have to be careful when I say that because that's me. That's me trying to understand. When I try to understand it, I sometimes get in the way. I like it's a, I'm much better off if I just tell you exactly what they say. Mm-hmm. But they do talk a lot about having a way to purify your water. Right. And these events sound really scary. Like they talk about this big thing. They've said the shipping industry will be calamitous. Now, I previously assumed that that would be because of this big thing and think about like a giant, if there's a big tsunami, it's going to wipe out ports and boats and stuff like that. So I assumed that's what it meant. But it could also mean that we now are, here we are, and they said war would expand. So here we are, war is expanding. But it could also mean that all of a sudden the price of gas goes crazy and shipping becomes uh, too expensive. So I, I may have, it may be that shipping is calamitous because of the tsunami, but it could also be because we just can't afford to ship things anymore because the cost of fuel is so high. Hmm. So maybe it's all the reasons, but the, the, the thing they said was shipping would be calamitous. So we're being pushed in all of these events, everything that's happening, we are being pushed to localize, to rely on one another in the real world, to, to find our needs met locally. And, and to draw back from these larger structures into a more localized one-on-one where person helps person experience of life. And if people are, I understand it can be fearful. The big thing the angels always say is that not everything happens everywhere, that they may have talked about, you know, major economic issues, political issues. They talk about the U.S. being split, that it's no longer the United States anymore, that it's, it's separated. But it's a massive change they've talked about, but that not everything happens everywhere. 
that you can be like, even right now, there is so much chaos in the world. There's so much, if you just look at the news, there's just day after day after day. It's, it's, you know, it's mass violence. It's, you know, it's war. It is so many different things that are just any one of them would have been on the front page of the news for weeks in the past. And now it's, they're just, it's just replaced the next oh, day. I know. Next horrific thing. But think about all that is happening. But right now you are wherever you are listening to this, watching this. And your life is basically still moving. Your life is moving on. And that's how it is, is that the world is a very, very big place. And that we will all probably experience some aspect of this, but but very few, if anybody, will experience all of it. Right. And so to just, in terms of the fear, to just recognize that there's things, bad things happen in the world all the time. And yet we still live, <laughs> you know, we keep moving on. Right. So, Yeah. So I, I love the idea of the pre-team and the post-team. Yeah. And with that, you know, like people always say like, we're here at this time. Like this is amazing. It's like, a, we're like, it's a miracle that we even got to be in a body during this time. Like we chose, right? Explain so the pre right. and the yeah. post. Yeah, you're so right. And I, and I think there may be people who are here for both. You know what I mean? Like here you are doing work right now. You are sharing your messages. You are connecting people to your perception of truth, which I think is incredibly valuable. And then after, afterwards, you know, how will that expand? What will that mean for you? And so I think that it's very possible that people are working on both sides of the equation or maybe just warming up right now for what happens afterwards. I strongly believe that there will be an Im- immense need for people who have already been on the people who are on the path now who will be ready to serve after these major events. I think that the need for that will be immense, that there are so many healers out there right now who would like really want to be using their gifts, but just can't seem to get out in the world. And I think that it will not be a struggle after. That's my belief. And the reason for that, the angels have said that there will be we will get to a place where people are having, they're seeing angels. We'll get to a place where our frequency is high enough, where the earth is shifted enough that people will be able to see. And I don't mean like, maybe not everybody, maybe not every day, but one, one is enough. You know what I mean? If people start seeing them, like imagine if you have a person who's like, yeah, I don't know about all this. I, it's just people making it up and then boom, there's an angel. Talk about a paradigm shift for that person. Talk about a crisis of understanding the world and like how many questions they will have. And if you remember when you, and I know this is true for me, everybody that I know that starts on this spiritual journey, when you first start, you are voracious, right? Like you want to read everything. You just right. dive it because you're just like his first couple of years, you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot get enough. Right. And imagine if the whole world is like that because the world is like having crazy things happen around them. They're seeing angels. They're, they, the angels talked about this flash of light. They said that's coming. And they said, this flash of light will be the moment we point back to where we say, this is the moment that changed everything. So they said, this is coming soon, imminently. It's coming soon. So soon with the angels is like, you know, soon, like they don't have time. Right. But in our lifetimes, and I think soon, like within this year, next year. Oh, you do. Perception. I think that's when it's happening. Most of the stuff they said was like within six months to a year, it happened. And they talked about this starting a couple months ago. When you say a boom, like a light, what yeah, they, like a, like a, um, like a solar, like they called it solar. So it's, and it's like a, a flash of light and it moves like an energy across the planet and it soaks through. They said it soaks through us. It soaks through our physical bodies. 
It soaks through everything on the planet and it soaks down into the planet. So there's literally nowhere to hide. Like it's, it's going to go through everything. And the amazing thing is, is that so right after I channeled this message, I had friends, friend, a friend specifically who didn't, hadn't heard the message, who had an independent dream exactly about this. And shared yeah. it with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just channeled that. Like, it was just exactly what I described in her dream. She saw, she was driving in a car with her friend and she saw this light on the horizon and it started coming towards her, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it moved right through her body and the, and the friend as well. And it was this, so it's just, it's anyway, so it's, yeah, so it's a, and I think, will we perceive it as, as light? I mean, they said it will be that we will be aware of it, that we will look back on it and say that was the moment. So we will know. Like it happened. It won't be a thing that people are like, I, you know, there was a light. Nobody else saw it. It will be a thing where it will be a known thing that we will know about it. We will be aware of it when it happens and it will shift us. Does it do something to our chakras? Is that something? I forget um, what you said. It, in terms of, I can't remember now. I have a hard time when I get the messages of holding, I have to go back and read them because when I channel them, I'm very much in my right brain. It's a hard time for me to remember all the details. (laughs) And I remember the visuals that they show me really, really well. But I do know that what they said about it was that it affects everybody equally, that you don't have to, it's not a thing where some people are left out and some people get it and some people don't. Like everyone has equal, it affects everyone. Everyone has equal opportunity to receive this. That the only thing that will make it hard is if people are in resistance to the light. And what resistance looks like is the feeling of loss. If people are really stuck in the experience of loss, if they're trying very hard to hold on to the way things were. And so what that means to me is that this light will come during a time when a lot of people have experienced loss. So it could, that could mean economic loss. That can mean, I mean, right now that's already happening. There's a lot of people experiencing loss, right? Like look at, there's so many people being affected by what the angels have called the energy of exhaustion, where the air, like think about city blocks being flattened to exhaustion, fires wiping out an area. It's things brought down to exhaustion where there's nothing left. That's the energy that's moving through the planet right now, wiping out an energy, wiping something out to exhaustion. And so there's people for sure, lots of people experiencing loss. Same thing with these like, you know, crazy mass violence, stuff like that is bringing things out down to exhaustion. And so loss is definitely something people are experiencing and both, I think, in these big ways, but then in small ways in our own lives, just having gone through eclipse season, people might be really going through loss. And so they say that desire to hang on to the way things were puts you in resistance to change and the resistance to this light that's coming in. And so resistance is what's painful. But if we can let go of the resistance and have faith that whatever we lost we were meant to lose, that whatever is gone is not of service to us and that we are open to receive beautiful new things coming in. And so if we can, if we can do that, if we can get to the space of trusting and having faith that whatever we left behind was meant to be left behind and know that, that new good things are on the horizon and just to lean hard into that, this light of be of enormous service to everyone. Right. It makes me think of you. How old are your children? So my uh, son is now 24 and my daughter is now 22. So like this generation that we've birthed, mine are younger than you, but yeah. you know, like we're bringing these, this vibrate, new vibration of humans in, right? Yeah. And is it there? What do they say about this new generation? I mean, they're going into the world 
you know, yeah. at this stage, like, I think of the ones that are now having babies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And so it's going to be such a different world because they are, I mean, even just the fact, like I think about when I was growing up, no one talked about meditation. No right. one had, like, we were had to just bumble our way through. So mm-hmm. we didn't wake up till much later. Whereas, you know, my kids, they get healings and they, you know, they are super interested in channeling and they, they talk about the universe and they have, like, they are coming into this they are healing their wounds now and their dreams reflected. And they are so far ahead of where I was at that age. It's just, it, it blows my mind. Right. So what will that look like? I think it's helping us to shift. It really is like their openness and, and it's, it's them. And it's also us as the generation now, which is making space for that growth, right? That we are, we are the ones who are meant to say, Oh, you see visions of, you know, people in your room. Great. Tell me about that. As opposed to, oh, that's stupid or that's wrong. Right. You, know, you make space to say, oh, you're having, you have a memory of your past life. Wow. Tell me about that. So we're creating the space for them to stay open, to not shut down. So it's all, it's a partnership, you know, like they are coming in with this enormous capacity. We are meant to hold space for them to grow into that capacity. Right. And do you see their life like, like having grandchildren or whatever, like down the road from our, you know, being us, maybe we're in our seventies and they're grazing their children. Do you see the life? Like we've all had this experience that the angels have been talking about and we've moved into this new, I mean, everyone talks about the age of Aquarius. We're in it now, the five dimensions, you know, the 5D, 6, whatever we're going, like, where is that? What does that look like? Are we going to experience that in in this lifetime now? I think that our experience of it, I mean, everything comes down to love. We hear that all the time, like everything right. comes down to love, but what does that mean? And so the, I would say my closest way to explain that, to bring that down into real form, into a practical understanding of what does it mean in our daily living is the angels have been working a lot. Like when I'm on retreat with, and we're doing retreats, when we're doing healings and peace bathing, my other program, they work a lot on helping people learn how not to be afraid of unity. And it's, this is a crazy thought is we all think unity, love, it's going to be so great. It's so awesome. Except if we don't know how to do it, we will be scared of it. That it's like this concept that if you think about going into unity without understanding what it is, is a little bit like going outside and walking down the street naked. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, how does that feel? It feels like you feel exposed. You feel vulnerable. Right. Like we are conditioned that this is to be totally seen as you are as a terrifying experience in this 3D reality. Cause we are, we feel vulnerable and vulnerable has been a scary thing. And so what we're trying to get to is the space where we can move into that relationship with one another, being totally open without fear. And it is much harder than we are giving it credit for. So like I said, they've done multiple healings, multiple, like they work on this all the time with people trying to condition people to this concept of, okay, you're ready for unity. Let's, and they will bring them into a situation where, okay, they're going to strip away all their fear, strip away all their resistance, get them to a space where they're full of light and now come in and show yourself, come in and be ready for unity. This is what it feels like and try to hold that energy. And so that I think is what we're moving towards. We're trying to get to a space where we do not fear each other anymore, which sounds so easy, but it's so hard. And there's so much growth we have to do as a consciousness, as a collective consciousness to get to the space where we don't fear each other anymore. And so that I think when you say, what are we moving to different dimension, like these different, you know, 5D, it's how much love can we hold? 
that's always it. We're always we're talking about, it's always love, but what is love? Love is the absence of fear. What do we fear each other? <laughs> right. We have to get to unity. So that's the goal is to get to a space and the trick of it. Here's the second piece of it. Number one, we have to get to the space where we are willing to walk down the street naked and be totally chill and be like, yeah, here's me. Me, I love you. You love me. It's all good, right? I'm naked and not care. And that's the challenge. And then the second piece we have to do is to get to that space of total unity, but not lose the lessons of separation, to not lose what we have gained because everything is on purpose. Like we might look at these past, you know, thousand years and be like, wow, it's been war and chaos and terrible and awful. And boy, we just want to get all that behind us. But it's not all that. There's always something to be gained from every experience we have. And so one of the big things we're meant to keep is the lessons of separation, is the lesson of what it is to be individual so that we can move into unity without losing ourselves. And that's that's the next step. So number one, is learn to not fear each other, to be able to go in into that. And that's that's the shift that we are making. And we can put, you know, a label on it. It could be 3D or 5D or it's, it's this unity, this unity consciousness. And to go into that while also maintaining a sense of our identity. Right. Uh, you know, I was also listening to the time shift and how, the you know, living in the now, you know, Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, past, future, like that all, yeah. like how to shift your mind into that. It's, you know, it's like me listening back three years ago when I started this podcast on how I understood (laughs) what time was (laughs) and trying to really get that, you know, oh, I'm so linear. I can't figure out how to put that all in one, but I'm getting there better. But when you talk, there's a shift that the angels are talking about and how we have to shift our minds into this new time. Really, I mean, people say live in now. So we explain how they are saying that our, t- our minds are going to be, where we're going to be shifting our consciousness with the time. Yeah. And the concept of now, and they, they have been talking about that a lot. I think the most recent message they gave us around this concept of living in the now, which was super cool, is they talked about how that, you know, that we are infinitely creative, that we're creating our experience all the time. And that the way we have been living in this karmic construct in 3D reality is that we are constantly encountering ourselves, but it's ourselves from two months ago. That the reality you're living in now is not the reality you created in the moment. It's the reality you created a couple of months ago. And that's because we rarely live in the present. That most of the time we are planning our future. We're thinking about what we're going to do or we're thinking about what we did do. And we are creating from our head we're working with reality in the context of the forms and the structures that we are taught, right? So we're saying, okay, I, like me at the beginning of my life, saying I'm going to go to do the, this kind of school and then I'm going to go get this kind of job and then I'm going to be this kind of a family and then I'm going to, right? I'm, I'm stepping into these structures which have energy to them, which have, they are structures which hold us in a particular pattern and I'm creating from within that pattern. So I'm not really in the now creating my life. I am invoking a structure and then I'm trying to live inside of that structure. And they say the new consciousness that we're trying to step into is one where we are, it's equivalent to riding the crest of a wave where you are, you are on the wave. So the, the energy of the now is behind you, pushing you always. So there's a level of degree to which you have to bring all of your energy into the present moment that you can't be thinking about what was. You can't be relying on 
plans based on what you learned. And this is not the idea that what we learned is not valuable. Is that we have to learn to stop leading with our head and we have to start learning to make all of our choices from the heart. And there's a lot of people out there that are very, very head driven. And they will say, I do not know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But once you learn, it's actually so much easier. It is so much easier. And there's still a very important role for the head. Like basically the idea is you feel which is best. You let yourself sink into the body and you just feel without knowing anything, which path is better for me. And you feel where's the joy, the Marie Kondo of life, like where's the spark of joy? And you feel that with any choice. And then as soon as you feel it, then you use the head to go back and say, great, how do I create it? Right? Okay, this is the choice. Choice is made by the feminine, by the heart. Now the masculine is going to come in and support that and lift that up into the world and say, great, what do we need to do? What are the things? What are the steps we have to take? What are the actions we need to bring? into the present moment. And that is riding that wave, standing at the crest of the wave, where what it is, is when you let the heart lead, when you let the heart choose, all of the energy of the universe can come behind you and lift you up and support you. And that's what the wave is. The wave is all of the resources of the universe. Because when you're creating in the moment, in the present, which is from the heart, you are working in the physical. You're working with the materials around you. When you're creating with the head, you're working in the past. You're working Mm -hmm. with what you learned. You're working with patterns or templates or truths that we read about, you know, that we're supposed to do things in a particular way. Those are from the past. And where does the past exist? The past is not real. The past isn't in our imagination. The past is not existing right in this moment. And so when we're creating in the past, it's like we're, we're trying to create with thin air. We're trying to create with nothing. There's nothing in the past. There's no physical. There's no there there. So that's what we're creating from is from emptiness. So what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I'm laying all these important plans. This is my marketing plan. This is my life plan. And we wonder why everybody says that no plan survives contact with reality is because we're creating from nothing. We're creating from something that doesn't exist. Whereas when we're in the present, we're working with actual physicality, you know, we're creating with the substance of the now and everything can rise to support us. Right. Oh, I love that. See, you just talk like it's just like, it just rolls out. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching you talk because it's just like, I mean, it's just there. It's a knowing, you know, it feels that way now. It wasn't always that way. But it, it very much feels now that I don't even, it just does. It just comes out. And I know it's not, it's not just me anymore in here. You know, I know that I'm moving through life and I have a whole, I have a whole team in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Work. Talk about that. Talk. Can we go a little bit? We're not. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. good. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. So the angels explaining mm-hmm. angels, because I've always, you know, people, I do the angel cards. I, you know, yeah. have the feathers. I just talk to my angels. But we all have our guardian angel. I think as a mom too, it's raised my like, you know, like the worry before we had kids. I mean, the word worry didn't really have that much of a content than it yeah, t- yeah. context than it does when you're a mother, right? But I've really put my angels as like, I know Pate, they all have their own guardian angel, even listening to you, like that confirmation, but explain the angels. Like they've never been a human. Some yeah. are in a human body now, right? Yeah. yeah. Talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So angels are, they describe themselves to me, they describe themselves as an essence and they rarely, if ever have given me a name. They say they don't want to because they want me to get comfortable with the concept of unity. 
that it's that names and identity are not necessarily important that that they can an angel if you think of angels as an essence that they are everywhere all at once that they're all around us right this moment and if you are calling upon a specific angel what you're calling on is like almost like imagine that we are in essence, that we are all one. And then if any moment you said, okay, I want to talk to Anne. And then I would be like, all that essence will go zoop and become me. Do you know what I mean? And then, or or in the case of angels, it would be like, okay, zoop, here comes Archangel Michael, because you called on Archangel Michael. And the embodiment of that, those qualities would come into presence. And then when Archangel Michael was done, then he becomes one with all. That's why he can be everywhere all at once, Mm. because that he's a part of everything. And so they are everywhere. Angels are everywhere. And they describe themselves as being the light of source, the light of God. I use God. That's my term. So please use yours. But I use God. Mm -hmm. And they are the light of God. We are the spark of God. We have the creative energy of God inside of us, which makes us different. And that is what they love about us. Angels love that we carry the divine spark, that we have this creative power that is different from how they are. Angels aren't the same way. They can create, but they don't emanate themselves in the world, constantly creating their environment around them the way that we do. An angel can, you know, you hear stories about like the loaves and the fishes where like angels came in and like made more bread or they can do that, but they don't have this complete interaction with their world where their world is a constant reflection of them which is us. That's us being the divine spark. So that is unique to being human. And so they are the light of God. So when you hear angels being described as messengers, they, like the way that they, they don't actually, like if you say a prayer, they don't like take out like a little folded piece of paper and then carry it to God. The way they do it (laughs) is that say that you have a prayer, that you have a, uh, if you're speaking to the angels, then the angels bring presence to you. They bring awareness. Awareness is everything. Awareness is the light of source, is the light of God. So they bring that awareness. So it's like more, so say you're in a prayerful moment mm-hmm. and the angels will direct all their awareness on you. And that awareness, because angels are everywhere, that awareness ripples out into the universe, right? And it speaks to source and it speaks to, to, to the all, to the all and the everything. So they direct energy through their awareness, through their presence. And so that's how they are messengers. It's almost like, like creating a ripple in a field, right? Like, a, but they, but the way they then control it is because they direct the awareness. So you'll see, like, it doesn't matter what kind of religious institution it is. It will be thick with angels, you know, like there'll be every, every, you know, cathedral, every mosque, every, you know, they will all be full of angels because people are in prayerful moments Hmm. in those in those places and so the angels are directing awareness directing presence to those people Um, tell us about the ones that are in bodies the ones that angels that are in like earth angels yeah we've talked about that before yeah yeah so there are angels who are now embodied and and so and so yeah so that's it that it's it's a rare thing most angels are not but and, and don't have an experience of being physical um and so it's a rare thing and it's, it's actually been some interesting questions about this recently that the angels answered. Like somebody asked at our retreat, because we do, at the retreat, we do a Q&A where the angels, or the angels come in and answer questions, which is always, you never know what's going to come through in those. It's super fun. But somebody asked for an embodied angel, do they have karma? 
And the angels answered. They said that karma doesn't stick to an angel in the same way that it sticks. So say, for example, an angel has a human life, that karma doesn't stick stick to an angel in the same way that it would stick to a human, but that they can choose to take karma and that they will have to attach karma to them when they come to the planet in order to be on the planet, that they will have to accept karma in order to come into the human form. So, and then they may carry karma from one life to the next when it's observed. Like they, but it's like the, the funny thing about that answer is that karma is always a choice that humans choose their karma as well. But I think it doesn't, it's not quite as sticky for an angel. And I think mm-hmm. that has just to do with the fact that they are at a higher frequency, that they are less likely to believe that they deserve it. Whereas humans, we always think we deserve it. Right. So, but there are times that angels will, will take karma. And then the same person asked, how can an angel have past lives? And the angel's response was that once an angel decides to incarnate, that all time is now, that there isn't, linear time is not a thing. So once they decide to incarnate, they incarnate like boom into multiple places and all those existences are happening at the same time. So they do have multiple lives. So one angel can be having, you know, 16 lives happening and they're all happening at the same. So a person who's embodied in an angel as an, an angel may not be aware of that ever. They might not ever realize if they don't wake up, they might not ever realize and right. they will maybe have healings and have past lives and the whole thing and not recognize that they're angels, but it's, but that, yeah, so that can happen. There's also something that we're going from karma to Dharma. Yes. Right. Like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, how exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's so good that we are. We're getting to a space. So this lifetime is unique right now. This life is unique that we are currently in the past when we would incarnate, which we all have. Those, and we think of past, I just said all time is now, but in other lives that we have lived, we, that we're living now. That we're living now. Okay. <laughs> I guess to be like, well, like a pretzel. I know, that's, believe me. <laughs> so, do you so, get that? Do you really oh, have your head around that? The, the, yeah, I feel it now. I do. They, it helps because when I channel, I, like I said, I'm very much in my right brain when I channel. I'm way over here. I'm still present, but I get visuals. So, and that is seeing it. They give me a visual that I can feel almost bodily. And so it's almost like I can take that concept and just, it's almost like it just soaks in. Like it's, it's like a, it comes in in a way that you can't get with words. With words, we have to fit it into a context we already understand. The way they give it to me when I'm in channel, it's like, boom, like here's, they give me a visual and it comes with this deep seated knowing that I can't really describe. So it's, I get it in a different way and it really helps with being able to, and then the goal is then, okay, like how does this, how do I understand this in my human way? How do I right. bring it into my human understanding? But the way they showed me the concept of all time is now, they showed it to me like, okay, see, you've had the visual before. And they usually start with something I can recognize. They started with the spiral of the universe. See the spiral of the universe, right? Like it's this concept of there's a center and then it kind of gets it's thick and then it gets gradually thinner and it kind of distributes out. And they said, okay, all time is now. They And it started, was they began this conversation with the concept of like, what is a I can't remember who asked the question. There was something they were talking about, like the concept of uh, different lifetimes and how do they all interact with one another? And they said, okay, so imagine that you are a soul and that the moment of your, the moment you became a soul, the moment you were thought or they said breathed, not thought, they said breathed into, mm-hmm. into existence, that breath came in and you existed. And so imagine that you are one, you are one soul. And then in that moment, you have the thought of, of, who am I 
in this context, right? You said, well, who am I? Am I a man or a woman? Boom, you are both a man and a woman. And then you say, well, who am I? A man, a woman who's in a relationship with a man or a man. So you eat every question you have, it splits and you experience both sides of that question. So every question that comes into mind. So then imagine that each one of you, the woman you become and the man you become, each have a question, which then creates a fork and creates two experiences. Mm. And then each of them have a thought, which creates a fork, which creates two experiences. And it ripples out like this enormous wave. So you have the initial breath, which is you. And then that initial breath has a question about yourself, about who am I? And that creates, and so in the beginning, there's this slow, like a slow expansion. And that slow expansion lasts like a millisecond or two milliseconds. And then it's like, boom, (laughs) because Uh it expands exponentially. And then boom, you are the universe. And that's how they showed it to me. So it was this concept of all time is now because it all happens so incredibly. This It's a speed of thought. It happens, boom, instantaneously. And then you are in, a, you're having all these experiences are all happening at once because you had all those questions about who am I as this particular divine, divine spark. Like you are experiencing, like your lens on reality is very unique to you. Like only you see it through this window, through this, this is you only have, like you're like in the porthole, you know, on the side of the airplane, you're the only one who has this window right. into the world. And you see everything from that vantage point. And that's your divine spark of, 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 of God. And so then you take that porthole and you move it into all these different contexts and say, what will I do? How will I respond? What will my life be like if I am in this context? And then you just play that game over and over and over and over again. And you grow as a result and you learn more deeply about yourself and the truth of the universe. And gradually you get to the space, hopefully, where we return to love, where we go through the process of all this expansion and separation and, and, and those devolve into self-judgment and right, we experience all of that. And then gradually we return back to love and to source. And that's the where we're going right now. We're like you feel our convert, we're converging back into that yeah. love place. But yeah. we've been out here for millions of years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long because the angels don't really do time, but we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> Right. And it's always a journey. I think from the moment of separation, from the moment of our incarnation, we have been trying to get back to love. So I think from the moment of the first breath, we've been trying more and more to get back to, to love. And we have that, like the way I see it, you know how you hear about like like near-death experience when people talk about walking into the light and how they walk into the light and it's just the most incredible, overpowering sense of love, like it's incredible and they stay in it as long as they possibly can. And then eventually they just can't take it anymore. Right. To me, that is a natural filter on the other side that we move into that filter and the filter is it's us. It's always free will, but how much love can we experience? How much will we allow into our bodies? And so as we go through this life, what we're trying to do is, is get to a place where we allow more love in so that when we cross over and we walk into the light, we can walk a little bit further, a little bit closer to God, right? And as we do that each time, we move like our own frequency is changed and we are allowed to exist at a higher state of consciousness. So that's what the white light is. The white light is the filter that we, and it's, it's choice. And we get to, in this, in this life, expand as much as possible, let as much love our love in as possible so that when we shift and we cross over, we get to move a little bit closer to God. Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. And we're going to be probably having to end on that note, but I want you to talk about the things you're doing now, your programs. I know you have a book, Un, 
What is it? Undoubtedly awesome. Undoubtedly yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've heard you explain that book and I haven't read the book, but yeah. you explain, cause I think the way you describe like it's manifesting and yeah. Right? Yeah. It is. The book is a really, it's, it's a very specific look at how we create. And it looks at each one of us as I'm talking about that each one of us is a unique spark of the divine. Well, if you look at, we are creators and yes, we are supposed to choose with the heart. And that is our guide. That's what keeps us on the crest of the wave. But after we choose, then the head comes in and then we use our thoughts. We use our mind in service to the heart. And what the mind is, is think of your mind as like the Play-Doh Fun Factory. Like if you've ever played with the Play-Doh Fun Factory, it's like an extruder and you stick Play-Doh in there and you press the handle and then out the end comes and you get to choose on the end. There's all the different shapes. You might have silly hair, you might have hearts or stars or whatever, And you push the Play-Doh through and it comes out as that shape. Well, we are all, our mind is the Play-Doh Fun Factory. And that that shape on the end that we are choosing is what I call our soul type. And there are seven different soul types. And those soul types are made up of our thought process, is the structure of our thoughts. And as we push our energy, which is the Play-Doh, through our mind, our mind says, okay, I think in this particular pattern, here's my structure of how I process and how I problem solve. And that creates a specific shape of something that comes out on the other side. So we we each have a role in the process of creation where we're meant to share that role with each other. So if you look at, there are seven different soul types, seven of us. So you are one type, I'm another type. I'm an optimizing. Yeah, that's well, then we're the same type. I am too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are the same. So if you think about that, the process of creation is linear, that there is a, p- a series of steps that nature has to go through in order to create something out in the world, to manifest it as to go from seed to fruit. There's a series of seven steps, right? Or actually it's that's four steps. And then we go into the animal world and then there's three more, but there's a total of seven in order for energy to continue to circulate through nature, through the world, through us, through anything. There's a total of seven steps. Each of us is good at one of those seven. And so we are best at one. And that one is where we find our magic. That is where we come alive in the world, where we bring the fullest part of ourselves. And then we're usually good at maybe one or two others. Like we like the other ones we've learned. We've been trained. Like maybe you went to a particular, maybe you went to law school or maybe you became, you know, learned to be a mechanic or whatever it is. You learned certain skills that made you good at two or three, you know, maybe, maybe one or two others. And then there's going to be one or two that you really stink at. Like all of us stink at one or two of them. And those are ones that we avoid, that we don't want to do, that we do not like. And so when we're trying to create in the world, we're typically trying to go through that process of seven steps. And we start always with the one that we're best at because that's where we feel most safe. And then we do the other ones we're pretty good at. And then we get to the ones we don't know how to do and we just skip those and we feel unsure of ourselves and we feel scared. So we go back and do the thing we're really good at. Hmm. And then we wonder why the thing we're creating never quite takes off. Why it never, never complete the cycle. So the book is about showing us that process, showing us the seven stages where we fit in that process, helping us understand the particular places we like to go, right? What are we good at? What do we avoid? And then understanding that there are other people in the world, what skills are, you know, what skills do we need? And you can either learn to embody those skills or you can also find other people who embody those skills. But it's really helping us to understand the process of creation as a human. How Hmm. do we interact individually and with each other in the process of creation. Yeah. How did you think of writing that book? 
it was early in my journey when I was, so I was a negotiator at Microsoft. I was given training on decision-making. So then when I went into leadership development, that was kind of my angle was decision-making. So I would coach executives on how they made decisions and how they could make better decisions. So then when we left, uh, my partner and I left our firm, I was part of a bigger firm. We left and started our own. We needed to have like our coursework, like what would we, when we would do classes or teach groups or work with teams, what would we use? We needed our, what we would call our intellectual property. Like what would we use as our model that we would teach from? So I thought, well, I'll make one because like, you know, I had this background of I'll make one. And so it just kind of came. And then I, I, I was, I was unknowingly channeling most of it. It was coming through that, like, you know, where it was just speaking through me and it evolved over time. And I learned by working with the executives where I would figure I'd learn more about it by putting it into action. So I used it in, in that work for what, probably four years. And then I began on my, and at that point I wrote the book about it. it. The whole process to get the book out and do everything was, it was like 10 years of work. Okay. And to, to really get that to the place where it now is, I think, fully developed and yeah, and con- consistent. So in any case, it's, it's a super cool way of looking at manifesting. It is. Really yeah. cool way. Like I, mm-hmm. when I was, I took the test obviously and became my motivation is purpose. Yeah. And, and I started reading about how, like what you just explained, like what, why I'm drawn to doing something, you know, and cause I know it's, that's easier for me. Yep. Yeah. You know? It's the low hanging fruit. That's where we right. go. Yeah. yeah and with, but right, it works wonderfully if we know that about ourselves. Cause when we're in a group, we can be like, Hey, I got this part. Like this is me right here. Right. But when you're trying to do it all by yourself, then you run into trouble because you'll get to that place where you're like, I don't know how to do this piece or this piece. I feel scared or uncomfortable or I just avoid it. And then we, yeah, it's really, that's why so, I think that's why so many small businesses fail personally uh-huh. is because yeah, we don't understand what our strengths are and we don't understand the pieces we want to avoid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, really. That was such a cool, I never had seen, you know, anything like that before. And when you describe it through the Play-Doh thing, <laughs> I've seen, cause I can pick, see the picture, you know, yeah. with different circles yeah. and yeah, but People that are listening now, go to her website, antucker.com and take the test because you'll want to know what your, um, your soul type is. What's your yeah. soul and it's type. It's an easy test, a very easy, it's like three or four questions because all we're measuring, this is not a personality test. The only thing we're measuring is the structure of your thinking, is your thought process. That's it. And that's really all this is about. So this is not a personality indicator like a, like a Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, which go into much more. This is specifically about creation right. and that relates to your thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Everything on mine was A. Yeah. That is so funny. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't one B. Yeah. Yeah. And then you asked about soul convergence and that is my healing program that I'm offering right now, which is we just started, but I will offer it again in 2024. I'll offer it again at the end, probably at the end of January, we'll start it again. Okay. The concept of soul convergence is it's by far the most in-depth program. It's a new mode of healing that the angels have given me and deeply powerful. And the idea is it takes us from a space where as we're born into the world, we become out of balance, that we receive the conditioning we were meant to have from our mother and our father. We get to a place where we are overexpressed and underexpressed in different aspects of our masculine and feminine energies. So we're always going through life like this. We're mm-hmm. always here. And there will be moments where we occasionally will get into balance. It'll be like that moment where the, everything in the day is just flowing and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so in flow. And then you can't hold it and you go back to your your base point. Your baseline is always right. here. Right. This program brings you into here. 
It brings you into the space where your masculine energy and your feminine energy are in balance. And what that does, it doesn't mean your life is perfect after that. You can still go out and have a fender bender. You can still have, but the thing is when it does, you experience life with less friction. And so you might be temporarily knocked over here, but your baseline is here. So you float back to the space where you're able to move through life with less friction. So it's a, it already just watching, like, like I said, we had, we had our first session on Saturday and already people are having incredibly deep experiences of it, which is just, I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Uh, I'm totally called to that in January. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I look at my life and for my, the majority of my life, I see my masculine where I could live in that because I had to, you know, in my head, I had to run my life. But when I realize, like, you know, doing what I do now, you know, I'm like, gosh, it's so cool to hear what you like. I think, you know, doing what I do now, I help teenagers and parents with mindset tools. They have programs for that, which has birthed from this podcast. But I see when I was reading all the things on your website, why <laughs> I do the things I do. It just kind of gives you like that. It's kind of just, I don't know, in a different way than I've ever been. I think it helps you to see with the things we take for granted about ourselves. It helps you to realize why other people need them because right. they can't, some people are going to get to your stage. The thing that is so easy for you, which is for you, it's super easy to come up with brilliant new ideas to make stuff. You're going to be creating things all the time as an optimizer. You're going to be like, for you, it's super fun. The idea of like, hey, I'm going to create this new program. Boom. You know what I mean? It's really fun. Other people would walk into that situation and they would just avoid it. They would want like somebody give me somebody. I want to take somebody else's program. Someone else. I want to, you know, they want it. So anyways, you get the point. Yeah. The interesting thing is about the, the process, like this creative process we're talking about. And I know that you are an, an Abraham Hicks person as well, that you studied Abraham Hicks. And so yes. you've probably done a lot of work on manifestation. And I think the piece that doesn't often get talked about is this balancing of masculine and feminine energy that you cannot manifest successfully unless your masculine and feminine energy are balanced. Okay. That you have to have that support of the masculine underneath the feminine in order to manifest, you have to be at the crest of the wave, right? In order to work in the physical, to be able to project your truth out into the world. So it's it's the piece. I think it's the missing piece. It's the thing that people oh, don't. I totally do too. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, I yeah. now I get it by understanding. I mean, I, I could talk masculine and feminine, yin and yang all day long, but not yeah. until I listen it to from <laughs> you. Like, no, I get it. You're right. It has to be all in alignment. Yes. Yeah. Where you can manifest that. What, oh, yeah. so true. Gosh. Yeah. We're just okay. trying to learn how to work these bodies that we've got. <laughs> right. Trying to learn how to work with our tools. Right. Yeah. Work with ourself. Oh, I love it. I love this time with you so much. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank oh, you I've guys. been so excited for this. So we will go to Ann Tucker, go look, go do the test, find out which soul type you are, sign up for her soul convergence in January. Yes. And if people are looking for that, it's at my website, which is my name, com, And they can find me on YouTube, which is again, my name, Ann Tucker. And she does all every Friday. Yeah. Tell them that because I love doing that. I go to every Friday. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Every Friday I channel a new message from the angels and share it. Um, And there's, if you go to the YouTube channel, there's, I think there's gosh, almost 200 episodes and some of those are guides to self-healing so there's there's if there's like multiple playlists there's one playlist that's like meditations and healing methods 
There's a playlist about ascension messages. So you'll, there's a lot of really, really good information on the website, on the YouTube channel that's just there for free. Yeah, yeah. so fun. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank loved you so it, much. Loved it, it was loved so it. fun to spend time with you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.